Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg. I'm your host for Yoga Birth Babies, and today we have a community birth story. I'm calling it The Importance of Self-Advocacy. So I'm speaking with one of our community members, Jessie Katz. She is the mother of three beautiful little girls, and she's a former PYC student. She was with me for her first birth, and then she's moved to Connecticut since then. But we do keep in touch on social media and, and just in each other's lives that way. And she reached out to me because she wanted to talk to me a little bit about her births and share it with the community here. She's had so many experiences related to her three births that she wanted to share. The common theme in all three of her births is being how important it was for her to spend time to properly educate herself about everything from laboring at home to self-advocacy to postpartum work like pelvic floor therapy, which helped, had a tremendous impact on her experiences. It can be overwhelming to think about being a self-advocate in the middle of your labor and what it is that Jessica did so beautifully was share how empowering it was for her to have her voice heard and her needs met in the middle of her labor. So I hope that you too can enjoy that and pull some of the beautiful seeds from our conversation out, especially if you're heading into your birth soon and you're afraid that you're not going to have your wishes met and you're afraid that you're going to feel kind of run over by protocols. Jessie talks about how she really made her team circle around her and really help stand up for what was important to her. Also, it's important to have a care provider that's online with you, but that's a whole nother topic. So I think you'll enjoy this community birth story. Before we get to that, just a shout out about our teacher trainings. We're starting the third in a row at Willow Street Yoga in Washington, D.C. just next week. Caprice and I will be heading there. And then, believe it or not, the spring New York City training is almost full. And then we'll be in Richmond, Virginia at Yoga Source. We went there last year. It's a beautiful space and a great city. I hadn't been there. And we're actually about to put on the books, the fall New York City training, and we're finalizing the details to go back to Charlotte again. It'll be my fourth year there. I'm so excited. That's for late fall. So lots of good 85-hour teacher trainings happening. And then also, if you're a yoga teacher out there and you're not specialized in prenatal yoga, maybe you don't want to be, but that you have the pregnant student come into class and you're thinking, okay, I'm not totally confident without help this person. I have an online course called Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi? You can check that out and just feel more confident with your skills to best support everyone that walks in the door. All right. Last thing, I just want to say a thank you to those that have left a rating and review on Apple Podcast or wherever you are listening to this from. So thank you for that. There was one recently left on the podcast from PS Wellness. So I'm just going to read a little snippet of that. So thank you to PS Wellness. Uh, this person writes, wonderful topics. What a great podcast. As a psychotherapist, yoga teacher, and postpartum doula, I really enjoy the breadth of topics covered on the podcast. Deb's desire to learn is contagious and piques my interest in every episode. I recommend this podcast to those who become parents and professionals alike. So thank you, PS Wellness, for taking the time to leave a rating and review. I truly appreciate your time and effort, and it just helps other people find the podcast and just helps sharing the, the wealth of knowledge. So please take a moment, if you haven't, to do so. And then last thing is, and I'm really excited about this, people have been 
emailing in with ideas and topics they want to hear more about. And I hear them, I see them. Some are harder to find guests to speak on. Um, I recently had someone request a conversation about ultrasounds and I'm having a hard time finding a speaker that's willing to do that. So if you're someone out there that wants to talk about ultrasounds, let me know. But really this podcast is for the community. So if there's a topic I haven't covered that you want me to, please let me know. You can email me at deb at prenatalyogacenter.com. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, enjoy my conversation with Jesse. Calling all New York City parents. I want to tell you about the Manhattan Schoolhouse here in New York City. It's a Reggio Amelia inspired daycare and preschool that welcomes children from three months to five years of age. Knowing and appreciating the busy lives of New York City families, Manhattan Schoolhouse's programs offer full time, year round childcare. Their program maintains a low teacher-child ratio that ensures each child gets the attention he or she needs. And the children are fed meals catered by companies that provide only high-quality, nutritious foods with locally sourced ingredients. The Manhattan School has children engage in enriching daily activities such as yoga and dance, music classes, and lessons in foreign languages. Parents, children, and teachers work as partners to best support each child's developmental growth as an individual and a member of a community. They truly value relationships and believe that every interaction with each child matters. Manhattan Schoolhouse is currently located on the Upper East Side and has a new site opening on West 28th Street in the heart of Chelsea. To learn more about Manhattan Schoolhouse and schedule a tour, check out their website at www.manhattanschoolhouse.com, www.manhattanschoolhouse.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Jesse. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I'm so excited to talk to you because as I was saying before we started recording, you showed up for class a lot and first of all, always sat in the same area, which I get because yep. I'm the same way. If I'm my spot, I want to stick to it. But always smiling. All, even when you were like, like, I feel like crap or whatever, you were st- like you said it with a smile. So... I'm just so, you're just one of those people that just make me happy. So I'm so excited to chat. So I guess let's start with um a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. So I, I know you and the prenatal yoga center from my time living in New York City. We moved to Connecticut right outside New York City about three years ago. And I had my first daughter in the city and I've had two girls up here in Connecticut. So I have three girls right now. And that means I had three pregnancies and births to the three of them in three and a half years. So it was a lot. You're busy. <laughs> I've been I've been busy. I am busy. I'm really tired, but it's great. I, I absolutely love being a mom and I feel like it was I had a wonderful lead up to being a mom while I lived in New York City during my first pregnancy. Yeah, New York is fun. So I know you've we've connected through <laughs> Facebook and you've listened to the podcast. So I love that you reached out to me. Will you talk a little about why you reached out and what you wanted to share about your stories? Sure. Um, I love, just like you, I love labor and birth and pregnancy stories. I also love post-birth stories. I, I feel like this network of moms is something that's so special and precious. And we, we need to hold on to that and we need to share our stories. If we don't share our stories, we only become more lonely and isolated in the world of being parents. Often being parents for the first time where we're even more confused about what just happened to our lives. So I think stories can only benefit each other, both from a learning perspective, but also from a sharing perspective. I think there's a lot of power in talking about your experiences, both good and bad. Absolutely. And, and let's go into a little bit about your different births and your different, your different stories. Cause you've got sure. three of them and they're relatively sure. close together. 
Yep. Um, so what's actually interesting, contrary to what I think most people experience, even though you shouldn't summarize and say most people for anything related to birth or pregnancy, my three pregnancies, labors, and births were all nearly identical, which is not so common. Um, I had an early labor for about two days with all of them. Then I had all of the textbook things happen to me over those two days, slowly, slow, mild, painful contractions, like bleeding, losing my mucus plug. I very much knew it was coming, but it hadn't happened yet. And then I went into active labor, went to the hospital. I ended up getting an epidural with all three, which I can go more into after and delivered each of them within 10 minutes. So it was, Everything was pretty much the same with all three. I would say the biggest difference related to all of my experiences were my providers and more about the environment that I was in. Well, that's interesting because your body behaved or, you know, mm-hmm. unfolded in the same way. So what go into that. How was it different with the different providers? So with my first, I was very excited. We worked with a midwifery practice in Manhattan, and it was was, every single step of the way was amazing. I planned to deliver in the birthing center at Mount Sinai West, but when I went into labor, it was short-staffed and closed, despite the fact that I was completely healthy and would have qualified to get in, which I was very excited about. Unfortunately, the birth center doesn't exist anymore, but... um, That whole experience was shaped by my overall experience with the midwifery practice, and it was amazing. When I moved to Connecticut, in our town, there are no midwives. Midwives are in neighboring communities, and I decided to stay local because we had an 18-month-old at home, and I went to one of the top OBs here. So basically, my experiences were shaped by having a midwife and then going with an OB for the most recent two births that I had. And then with my first birth, I had a doula who I hired. Um, my second birth, I had a friend who was a doula. And with my third birth, I did not have a doula, but I had some friends on call who are doulas. That's really interesting. And it's funny. I, I'm, I think you listened to the podcast. I did one with Dr. Neil Shaw and he talked about that the biggest influence of how your birth unfolds is the place in which you birth and your care provider. Totally agree. <laughs> so let's let's dig deeper. So I know that if I remember correctly, and please correct me, mm-hmm. that you came back. Um, you had a midwife. You had a doula. And mm-hmm. was there disappointment, or was there something about the first birth? Or am I confusing this with something? Well, I was. I I had planned to go completely natural, completely unmedicated with my first birth and my midwife team and my doula. I was, I was very excited to deliver in the birth center. I worked so hard for that. And I think emotionally, when I found out when I was on my way to the hospital and we called to let them know we were coming in, that when I say hospital, the hospital and birth center were connected. Mm-hmm. They relayed the unfortunate news to us that the birth center was short-staffed and closed. And that in conjunction with a whole bunch of other hospital-related issues that happened that were completely unrelated to me physically, emotionally, or anything, um, everything just became very out of control, out of my control, I should say. And it was very stressful and very disheartening. So at one point, I i don't want to say gave up, but I felt like I literally gave up where I said, just give me an epidural. I can't deal with what's going on around me. And it was very unfortunate because I couldn't focus on myself at all. I was just completely focused on how to na- literally navigate what was going on in the hospital. It was right when Mount Sinai West was becoming Mount Sinai West. There was a lot of construction going on. There weren't enough rooms available. Like I said, the birth center was closed. They were short-staffed. It was just a crazy situation all around us. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, I vaguely remember that um, that transition. So for listeners, it used to be called St. Luke's Roosevelt, which is what I still refer to it as. I know I'm yeah. so old school that way. And and for those also listening that, yes, there was a birth center, um, but as much as it was presenting itself as a birth center, as Jesse's very well saying, that it was really hard to get into. As a doula, mm-hmm. I showed up with clients that, like you, were totally healthy, had no reason not to be there, but either short... It was never that the rooms were full. Mm-hmm. That was never a short staff or whatever. And that's and that does. It changes your whole view of how you think your birth's going to go, what, mm-hmm. what you've set up to be like, okay, these are the parameters in which I can function. And then, yeah, when you end up upstairs in L and D, it's a very different beast. It was very different. I can I can also add to that that like most people, we go to practices, whether they be midwifery practices or OB practices, and you try not to have your preferences because of course you don't know who your provider will be who's there on call the day you go into labor. Um, but of course I had my preference. I really wanted one of the midwives at the practice to deliver my baby. And I went into labor on a Friday night at the hospital amidst all the chaos I was previously speaking about. And I knew that she came on at eight o'clock in the morning on Saturday. And all night long, I wasn't really progressing. But as soon as she walked in, despite being exhausted, I immediately snapped into active labor and was able to deliver with my amazing midwife, who is still one of my friends today. So I think that the emotional piece is it's a real thing. Was it Jessica, the midwife? Is that who? No, it was, no. It was Ra- Rachel. Rachel okay. Because we've yeah. had a few different midwives come through as, as, <laughs> and as Rachel students. had come through. Yep. She had given birth um, about six months before me. That's and so she had also religiously attended the prenatal yoga center. Yay. So yep. then also talk to me about how things differed. So again, your labor was pretty much the same. So how are mm-hmm. things with the second and third birth? Um, okay. So my labor was very similar, but something I learned is that though midwives stay with you, usually the whole time, they're yours. OBs do not. OBs are very busy. They come to the hospital when you're about to deliver a baby. They're not there during your whole labor, especially if your labor is long. So that was a huge difference. I was with my first, I was with my midwife team, my midwifery team the entire time. With my second and third, I was with staff nurses who rotate on their own schedule the entire time. So that was a very, very big difference for me. And that was something I actually didn't know going into it. Okay. I was just about to ask you, did you have that information? So if you had known that, do you think, so you had a friend that was a doula. Do you think you, was that the, was that a good choice for you? Would you've done anything differently? Had you known that the care provider was kind of bopping in and out? Um, I probably would have gone with midwives. I would say, you know, it's, I think what's tricky is that my kids are so close in age and I was still nursing my first daughter when I had my second daughter. So I was very concerned about leaving her, being away from her for a couple of days, possibly, I mean, who knows what can happen at birth, possibly being away for many days if something had happened. And I didn't want to be farther away. So that was why I ultimately decided to go with the local OB versus going further away with midwives. I think in retrospect of it all, I probably would have gone with midwives the entire time with all of my kids because it was it's a very important thing to me. I did not like having such a checked out provider. I can say it was my third, which was only three months ago. I went into active labor. I went to the hospital. I actually had an argument with my doctor because he had plans that night. And my labor, I'm sure others could relate to that, and my labor entirely stopped. They ended up sending me home five centimeters dilated, and I didn't go back for another 24 hours. So my emotional state literally stopped my labor. I believe it that, I mean, people wonder about like, is there really a my body connection? Yes. Yes, there is. Um, but that's interesting. So what did you learn from one birth to the other that then helped you make decisions as you went forward? 
Um, well, I remember starting my, with my first, I had a pretty lengthy birth plan with my second. It was kind of lengthy. And with my third, it was right to the point. It was one <laughs> page long, but it was very firm and based on informed choices. And I, I felt very strongly about everything on it. So I think that I personally was just a much stronger person and advocate for myself in each birth to the point where it almost didn't matter who my providers were, even though it did matter, of course, who my providers were. So how did this information and education, because you're saying like you were really being an advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. how did that help you communicate with the team? And how, and because when you're really in the midst of labor, mm-hmm. it's not really the time to negotiate. So totally. did, yeah. how did, well, I guess let's, I, let's back up to how did you communicate with your care provider before labor? Because that's when you can have more of a uh, an equal level conversation and when you're not in the middle of labor land. And then how did you empower your birth posse to help keep your vision alive? Yeah. Great questions. And I would actually, (laughs) though I agree with the statement you just said about how it's easier to have these conversations before should have seen me. I was very (laughs) much, I was the doula in the room. I was my own doula. My doulas told me I didn't even need them because I was so firm in advocating for myself. I was so confident. It was basically a battleground like many hospital settings can become. And I was relentless. I knew what I wanted and I was not going to step down. But I can definitely say that two things are really important that really, really significantly impacted this. One was trusting my birth team, which extends to trusting the team of help at home with my kids, trusting, having confidence in those around me, um, whether that just be my husband or my midwife or doula or even just myself. You know, I think with my third birth, I didn't have a huge team around me of people who I trusted, but I did trust myself and thank God I was healthy and I could continue to advocate for myself that entire time. Um, the other thing I would say is understanding labor delivery and recovery and the processes. I think that with each birth, I use the breathing and pushing techniques that I learned at the prenatal yoga center. And they were really a game changer with each of them. I knew what to do before doing it. And I wasn't scared. I felt empowered by my knowledge and that literally and emotionally pushed me through the experiences. Um, I think, you know, parts of my birth plan, such as delaying or with my third, I actually declined like the eye antibiotics for my daughter's. I I really felt uneasy about it. And then I learned more about it. I I became more educated and I realized that I didn't need to do that. It was not a requirement. Like I vaccinate my children, but I, I knew that this was not actually something that needed to be done. And I got a lot of pushback, but then ultimately I didn't do it. And I think that like having that confidence and the knowledge, the confidence rooted in knowledge was really what made me feel more comfortable advocating for myself. Oh, I have so many questions, but okay, let's go into, (laughs) let's go into how, and you're a really smiley, happy person. So that helps. You don't come in with a scowl. So how did you, when you were speaking with the staff, Mm -hmm. how did it not become confrontational when you were staying strong to your beliefs? It totally did. Um, my husband, if he was on this podcast right now, would probably be saying it was absolutely a nightmare for him and extremely embarrassing for him. But I felt really confident. You know, I just, I, I said what I wanted. I've learned from professional and personal experiences. You know, when you have something to say, say it once, say it firmly, like confidently and move on. You know, this is what we're doing there's just, we're just not going to argue further about this. I'm not going to go on and on and on and back and forth. This is just what I want. I know what it is. That's it. And I think that's what made my birth plan actually so much shorter. It just said no eye appointment. There wasn't a whole paragraph about it. No one cares about the paragraph. It just said, don't do it. So when there was pushback, how did you handle that? Great question. So this is a story that you might want to hear later on for another question, but um, (laughs) the my worst, the worst birth related story actually happened with my third. Um, I had an excellent nurse for the delivery. She let me stay for over four hours in the delivery room, just 
cuddling my baby skin to skin. It was amazing. I realized while texting family members that we had the baby that she hadn't even weighed the baby for hours. She just literally let me hold her and like protected that space for me, which was a complete game changer. It was wonderful to be in an environment that I was not so comfortable in, but to have a nurse who really protected that room and made sure no one came in. And it was all me and my baby and my husband, which was incredible. Um, but what actually happened after that, when they wheeled me to recovery was I had my birth plan, no nursery. I didn't want them taking the baby no matter what. And based on my education, I knew that they could do pretty much everything in the room with me. So that didn't happen. We got to the recovery floor after I had been skin to skin with my new perfectly healthy baby. And they convinced me to drop the baby off in the nursery. They told me it would be five minutes. And by the time I went from one hospital bed to the next into my recovery room, I would have the baby in my arms again. So I, in my emotional state, said yes. I told my husband he had to stay there outside the nursery watching, and I went to my room. They gave me an upgrade. The nurse was super nice who I was with for the delivery, and I got a private corner room, and we're not talking New York City anymore. It was it was beautiful. I had wraparound windows. It was actually the isolation room, which which you'll see in a second actually turned out to not be so good. Um, so it was wonderful. So time starts ticking. I'm sitting there alone in this room. I realize no one can hear me because I'm in the isolation room. I had previously had an epidural, so I couldn't walk yet. And my nurse button wasn't working. So I had no way to get in touch with the outside world. About 10 minutes goes by and I call my husband and I said, where are you? And where is our new baby? And he said, I have unfortunate news and they need to keep her. And that was when this side of me came out that I honestly didn't know existed. Like I, it was, it was scary. It was a full out of body experience. Thank God no one was in the room. And I basically just said, give me my baby back now. And I heard him on the phone talking to the nurses and they kept telling him, no, we're holding on to her. And they wouldn't even relay to him what the reason was. Finally, they told him that her temperature had dropped a few degrees and through the phone with my husband to these nurses, it was the worst game of telephone you can imagine with me hysterically crying and screaming. No one could hear me though, because I was in the isolation room and they made a mistake and didn't even give me a nurse and my call button didn't work. All of these things are happening at once. Um, I said, I want my baby back now. Um, finally, I, I don't even know how long it was. It must have been 20 minutes. The hospital pediatrician came in. I couldn't tell you a word that she said to me. I just continued to say, give me my baby back right now. And it was it was probably the worst experience of my entire life. Like, it, it, this might sound like an exaggeration, but this is how it really felt to me. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. They wouldn't give her to me. And the pediatrician kept trying to tell me that something was wrong with the baby. And I kept firmly telling her, nothing is wrong with the baby. And... She, it was just, it was back and forth, back and forth. I, I must have told her I was about to call the police on her. I don't even know what was coming out of my mouth, but I, I, I definitely told her to go back to medical school. <laughs> there were some not so nice things coming out. And I just, I wanted my baby back. I think that the situation was, it was, it was crazy though. It's actually not so crazy when you think about the grand scheme of things, they, they take babies all the time to the nursery and realistically her temperature dropped because she was removed from me after laying with me for four hours and she had had her temperature taken right before we went there. Everything was fine. So somehow the baby came back to me. I told them not to come in my room for the rest of my time there. I was not getting her back no matter what. And that's basically what happened. But I, I have never been more shaken up in my life. It was awful. I mean, talk about feeling though. I can imagine you're, you can't walk. So like something that you're used to being able to, your ability to advocate for yourself and simply take care of yourself. And then you're the massive shift in hormones and these mama instincts Mm -hmm. just taking over. I can imagine the feeling of, I don't even know the right words, just you're, you can't even take care of yourself. Like that must be so overwhelming and just robbing you of what your gut and body are telling you to do. 
it was it was absolutely horrible. I can't even explain how horrible I mean, the, it and, was. And I mean, the isolation, that was literally what it was. Like you were yeah, isolated <laughs> and you didn't even have the ability to get up and talk to anyone. I mean, yeah. And my poor husband, he is a total introvert. He's a wonderful, wonderful human being. And he, I was like, scream at them, go in there yourself and take a baby. And he's like, are you out of your mind? Like, I can't do that. And I was like, yes, you can. How have you healed from that? Because I could imagine that was, that was traumatizing. It was so traumatizing. So I can tell you, um, with my other two daughters, I, in addition to making cookies for the nurses and the staff and everyone there prior to giving birth, I went to the labor and delivery floors and gave presents and cards and met with my delivery nurses and midwives after having the baby at my checkups. And I loved that. I loved giving them the closure and giving myself the closure and just thanking them for all of their hard work. And I had planned to do that with this one as well. I went to the hospital where my doctor's based to have my follow-up appointment after six weeks, and I couldn't go to the labor and delivery floor. I just sat there crying. I couldn't do it. I really wanted to. I wanted to thank the nurses, and I just couldn't get myself to do it. After a couple of months, a few weeks ago, I, I did have the guts to go, and my delivery nurse was there. We sat down and we talked and we debriefed everything. And remember, the delivery nurses don't really know what happens after they drop you off at recovery. So I told her, I want to tell you what happened, like the situation that I was put into. And I was crying. She was crying in the lobby of labor and delivery one day. And, you know, what was actually really hard for me was I, I felt a little bit of anger toward her. She put me in that situation. She dropped me off there and then left. And I didn't say that directly to her, but she on her own actually apologized amidst tears and said that she had a really strong feeling she was setting me up for a bad situation when she walked away. And she apologized extensively. She said she could tell when she when she walked by again after she said goodbye to me that the baby, they were not giving the baby back. Like they just wanted to keep the baby in the nursery for a while, do all their things that they do, which I, it was just easier for them. And they were using the temperature as an excuse. Um, and I, I was really upset with the nurse in that moment, but she apologized profusely. She actually got the nurse manager to come down and we debriefed. She took notes on her own. She said, you know, you didn't need to leave the baby in the nursery. And I'm like, I'm well aware of that. Thank you for telling me. You should really tell that to your staff. So I, I don't think that I have closure from the experience, but I do think that having that follow-up meeting has always been helpful for me in good situations and bad ones to just have a little bit of closure from the situation. How are you continuing to find the support the support or the ability to find closure because I can imagine, I mean, it's only three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's still so raw. Are you, is there any support group? Are you able to talk to someone about it? Um, and then I guess as I, it, yeah. I'm going to keep three questions. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. how do you feel like it hindered anything with you and your daughter? No, you know, very interesting. I've said to my, but I'm going to answer your last question first. Okay. I've said to my husband many times throughout the past few months that I feel much closer with my third, this baby than the others to almost an unhealthy extent where I don't want to let go of her. I, I feel extremely attached to her. She sleeps right next to me. I, from day one, you know, since, since the moment that pediatrician handed her back to me, I wouldn't let go of her. I mean, nurse after nurse would come into the room and would say, you know, your baby needs to be in the bassinet. She can't be in your bed. And I was like, that's nice. I'm not letting go of her. Good try. Um, so I, I feel extremely close to her and protective of her after that experience, which I'm sure is a result of her being taken from me and that feeling of like not having my child with me immediately afterward. Um, in terms of other coping mechanisms, I think just talking about it, I, I really, really believe that talking about good and bad birth experiences is so important. It's what's hard for me still is, I mean, I'm in endless mom groups, whether they be in person or on Facebook or wherever. I think what's really hard is seeing moms who are obsessed with the nursery 
I think often moms, especially with their subsequent babies, are like, I just want this hospital stay to be like a hotel vacation for me. Take my baby. I want to rest. And I finally have some quiet in my life. And it scares me. You know, I, I feel like what goes on with a new baby is just in my opinion, like I, I want to be so close to my new baby who I just gave birth to. I think American society has moved so far in the direction of just outsourcing everything. And it's, it, it, I mean, obviously there's health situations where if you have a C-section or if something were to go wrong during your birth, you need to be recovering on your own. And even with a vaginal birth, you need to be recovering on your own. But if you're capable of being with your baby, I think it's so important to have that immediate time with your baby. So it's hard for me when I read about people complaining that the nursery wouldn't hang on to their baby long enough or these mom or baby-friendly hospitals that are popping up everywhere and people complain about baby-friendly hospitals a lot, which I find just to be so fascinating because I, I really believe in this. Yeah, I just want to say, though, I do I do appreciate it. Um, but I do, I like that you added that there are times, because we don't, you know, I don't want to judge what others do, but there are times like after my first, which was 42 hours. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, that was like a work week. Mm-hmm. I, we had a home birth. So I actually had the opposite that I could have used some help. Like yeah. the midwife and the doula left a few hours later. And my husband and I, after this massive, I mean, whirlwind of emotion, and I was physically kind of a, a wreck. That I would have been that person that would have been like, I, I think I need the nursery. And but we didn't. Yeah. We we literally were like, how many hours until the postpartum doula is here? We just have to keep <laughs> the baby alive. Um, so just while I hear you, I just want for listeners to know that, you know, sometimes there I, I would have been I would have been that person that would have been like, um, where's the nursery? Totally. So, you know what's interesting? I think if I had all the time in the world right now, I would actually elaborate to say if I trusted the care in nurseries more. Yeah, I'm, gener- I'm generalizing here, but based on my own real experiences, if I trusted the care more, I would absolutely feel that way as I well. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many times I passed the baby off to my husband, <laughs> but I, or my doula in the time. Absolutely. But I, I, you know, with my first, when we were in the city, I remember telling my husband, we're holding on to the baby. We're not bringing her to the nursery. And at that one weigh in where they require you at midnight, they weigh all the babies. When they require us to send her to the nursery for five minutes, you have to go. And he was so tired and did not want to go. And I kept insisting. And then it was time. And he just gave me this look of, are you serious? Like, this is finally our like 10 minutes to rest. I really need to go. I was like, do not leave her for one second. And he went. And when he came back, He said to me that I was completely right. He's like, I did not like what I saw (laughs) in some, you know, it was, he was like, that was the right thing to do to take her away again, you know, or else she would have been in this room with all of these crying babies. And, you know, it it was, it was hard for him to understand until he actually went there and experienced it. And, you know, we experienced that this time too, which was, it was just crazy for me. I get that. You have to feel comfortable. I 100% get that. That's actually why we end up with a, a home birth is because at the time, yeah. um, you know, there was a birth center. I, like you, had, you know, would have been, I assume, a healthy person for it. I didn't trust I'd get in there. And I knew that as a doula who saw it. So it's not that I didn't trust the hospital. I didn't trust the, I didn't trust that I'd get in there because what, there's so many reasons not to. So yeah. I hear what you're saying of you have to go with where you feel the most comfortable, where you can, with who and where you can unwind. So I hear what you're saying. So let's shift a little bit to how you got all this education. Like, because mm-hmm. you were, you know, I feel like so many people going in saying, had I known, had I known, how mm-hmm. did you educate yourself to be able to have these conversations with your care provider and the nursing staff and then feel the confidence? It's a great, great question. Um, there are two books that really stood out to me prior to having my first daughter, and they were the two LHA League books. One is on baby sleep and one is on breastfeeding. And basically, LHA League, the books are very similar to each other because 
they say, they're actually intertwined in a lot of ways, emotionally and physically. So I think I, I did a lot of reading. I talked to a lot of like-minded people. Advice that I would always give to people, which you can talk about more after, is getting advice from the right people. Don't just get advice from everyone. I mean, if you see on these mom groups all the time, can anyone suggest a care provider? And you get 500 responses. And often a lot of them are the same, but just because the majority of people suggest doing anything doesn't mean that's the right thing for you. So figuring out what my personal needs are and then finding the right people and support system to match my personal needs, which includes being there for physical support and also being there to give me the education that I needed. A lot of my friends joke about with our first doula, I, I, I'm actually embarrassed to say this. I interviewed 23 doulas. (laughs) Yes, that's true. 23. And I have a spreadsheet to prove it. I 100% believe you. (laughs) I did. Um, And I can tell you that the doula I chose um, loved her. I I can tell you she might, she wasn't the warmest. She wasn't the most cuddly and loving. She has these qualities, of course, but she, she wasn't that. She was exactly what I needed, though. She had the knowledge that, I needed by my side in the birth room. She was part-time employed by the hospital and birth center as a yoga teacher there. So she knew the ins and outs of the hospital. She knew little things like where we could find a refrigerator, where we could get some water, ice if we really needed it and we weren't in a room yet, etc. She had that knowledge which gave me the confidence to work with her over other people who might have been a better fit. She's not my best friend today, but she was absolutely the right fit in that situation. So, And she was not the most recommended either. So she was the one who matched the need that I figured out that I had in that situation. All right, when we're off the air, I'll ask you who it is. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting. Okay, so. So I think like finding the right fit for what you need and staying very true to that, not just doing what people tell you to do. This is great. This is really great advice. So you've now had three different births and they were Mm -hmm. similar. Did they differ in how you physically and emotionally healed from birth to birth? Um, So I think a huge part of my physical and emotional healing related to my breastfeeding journey, I have breastfed all three of my kids. Um, With my first she, she never, she never wanted to stop. So I was nursing her when I had my second, not literally at the moment, but I ended up tandem nursing both of them. So that was a crazy experience. It was like having twins, but not having twins. Um, that was challenging. (coughs) Um, with my first, I also, had an amazing sleeper. She slept through the night basically from day one. But for some reason, I thought I needed to pump milk nonstop. So I pumped milk every three hours all night long for many, many, many months. I ended up donating over a thousand ounces of milk to the oh, New wow. York, <laughs> a thousand to the New York Milk Bank and also to a few friends who had preemies in the NICU during that time. So it was it was an amazing opportunity to do all of this. But with my second, the incredible lactation consultant at the hospital here told me not to open my electric pump unless I needed to. I'm privileged that I work from home so I can nurse my babies from home. And it was a complete game changer. I wasn't up all night attached to a machine for absolutely no reason. Um, So I realized the importance of not doing what everyone says to do and really seeing what your baby needs in the moment and what you need in the moment. It it makes a huge, huge difference. Um, Also, I think with subsequent births, you you get just, you get so much perspective on the whole situation. Mm -hmm. Breastfeeding, like all things with being a parent, even recovering from birth, it's about this perspective. And each of these phases is so short. Within a few months from now, I'll be nursing less as my baby transitions to solid food. Being up all night isn't forever. It's a short period of time when your baby really needs you. So understanding that with subsequent births and understanding that by talking to experienced parents with your first birth is just so important to really internalize. 
I, I think about some of the shifts between my first and second and just our confidence of like, okay, baby's going to be okay. And yeah. just where you don't need to obsess. Like I, yeah. I don't know about you, but I would go down a rabbit hole of like researching. I, this is ridiculous. Everything. I'm going to out myself. Like re, not just every, like everything, like the best toy and only wooden everything. toys. Oh, and yeah. like, and then by the second, I'm just like, don't you on knives. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> It's, you know, it's just crazy. Like, I really would. We spent hours researching and then I would pat myself on the back, like, so good, so good. And then, and then I'm just like, such time wasted. Again, it was just so much time wasted. Oh my God. But I wanted to, I can tell you with my, we moved to this house with my second and all I wanted to do with cloth was cloth diaper. So I spent, I think I was awake for 48 hours straight. I must've read every, I know every single thing there is to know about cloth diapers, like every single thing. Long story short, our washing machine can't handle them. We don't have them. We're not replacing our thousand dollar washing machine. It's just not happening. I hear you. And that's, and that's sometimes it. Sometimes you have step back and be like, okay, I'm glad I did it for that first one. I learned yeah. not to do it. For, I think there's even like some Huggies or Pampers commercial about that. Um, but, you know, so here's some advice and maybe it's not warranted advice for or wanted advice for first time parents. Put your stress elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I hope totally. that's not rude to say that. Totally. I mean, I can see that. I, I feel like also I, something I've done more and more so with each birth is that I, I really lean into being a parent like more and more so with each baby. And I feel like when you really pay attention to what your baby needs, it's, it's a game changer. Like if you just listen to the different types of cries, it changes everything. Yeah. And each also learning each kid responds differently. That's something Mm -hmm. I've learned with my two is that one thing I can do with one, it's not going to fly with the other. And that, that was a surprise when they were babies. Cause I thought, okay, I did this once before I got it. You know, each child has their own personality and own needs. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And I, I, I really, really feel this way. Like I, people often ask me, what swaddles do we use for our babies? And here's a little secret. I don't really swaddle my babies. I, I really like when my kids can reach their hands and might keep them up a little bit more during the night, but they love their hands and they sleep great and they're totally fine. And yeah, I, I I've never taken away my baby's hands from any of them. And if that works, that works. And it works and it does work. And I, I I think that that's just one of those things that I've learned time and time again, that they, they want their hands. My babies want their hands to be near them and and that's fine. Yeah. I have to figure out what's best for each kid. Okay. So we're going to take a super quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to have you just share one tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents, because you've been through this rodeo a few times. You have some good thoughts. All right. We'll be right back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So what do you want to share? (laughs) I would definitely share that... Um, leaning into parenting is very important to me. I know that we're all extremely busy in our personal and professional lives with our work, volunteer commitments, our families, the rest of our children, if we have them. It's, it's so important to really put your phone down as hard that, as that is to do and just pay attention to your pregnancy and your baby and their physical and emotional needs. If you, if you're able to tune in and take that extra time, we, we succeed so much more than if we're half paying attention or outsourcing everything. I mean, it's very easy to do these, to outsource a lot of things in this day and age, but you know, to just listen to the different types of cries that your baby has to see what they really need. You know, maybe they just want to sit and look at you and smile and giggle but you won't know that unless you actually take the time to put everything down and stare into your baby's eyes, which is so hard to do sometimes when we have so many things going on. But leaning into parenting is, is, has been 
the best thing for me and my relationship with my kids and as a mom. Mm, I love that. It's something I try to do, put the phone down. I really, I'm so bad at it. I'm so, oh, we're bad, all at so it. bad at it. But I make a conscious effort at dinner, not there. And then bedtimes, really, mm-hmm. really being with them. Or when we're playing games. Last night we just mm-hmm. had a rousing game of Monopoly going. Um, oh I didn't have my phone out. My son was trying to cheat. Um, I can't believe we're gonna. I can't believe we're gonna be at that point soon. Um, it's games. pretty fun. Yeah, it's just and it's hard. It's really hard because, as you said, we all have these things, you know, pulling us in so many directions. But I, what I tell myself, and I bet you could relate to this, as you've watched your kids get older, is as annoyed as I want as I get sometimes, like my daughter wanting another story, or she has to have her bed just right before I can lay down and read with her. That this is such a fleeting time. That even though I'm annoyed at the moment, I try to embrace it because not long from now, she's not going to want to hang out with me and spend time. And I'm trying to savor these little moments. And I look at the babies that come into baby and me class and, oh my God, I'm never going to, I don't want any more kids. It's just, (laughs) I'm not, I, I don't have that anymore. And, you know, they all go through these, these, these growths, which they need to, but to savor what we, what we're going to miss someday. So, Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's such great advice. Thank you. Yeah, of course. I can, I would also add, um, something I mentioned before is your needs change through pregnancies and subsequent births. And, you know, like with my second, I was equally, if not more focused on the fact that I had an 18 month old at home who had never been left alone, who I was also nursing, like I mentioned. So, you know, like though there are midwives in neighboring towns, our our city hospital doesn't have them. I really wanted to use a midwife, but at that moment I decided it was more important to stay local for my daughter than to risk driving and potentially being stuck farther away from her. So our needs are always evolving and changing. And it's, it's important to be in tune with that, you know, just because you always have one thing or you're very set on a natural birth or you're very set on a home birth or whatever it may be, our, our needs change and that's okay. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Jesse, for being so open and for sharing and hopefully inspiring. You know, if someone felt they, they wanted their voice to be heard, but they didn't know how to do it, you really gave some, some voice to that. So thank you. Of course. All right, enjoy your day. Be well. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.